0: So, you want to watch a movie, but you don't know which? Choosing the one can be a bitch. But Jared and Drew have perfected the art. So, sit back, relax, and trust the dart. It's Dartboard Movie Night. What's going on, everyone? I'm Drew. And I'm Jared. And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the podcast where we put 20 movies on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide. Today on the show, we have another week of firsts for Dartboard Movie Night. We've got our first two-episode mini series, if you will, as we attempt to cover two different angles on the same movie back-to-back weeks. First up, we're going to cover Werner Herzog's epic Fitzcarraldo, starring Klaus Kinski and Claudio Cardinale. And next week, we're going to move on and cover the documentary of the making of Fitzcarraldo, Burden of Dreams. Jared, how you doing this week?
1: I am doing great, dude. And I like our ambition here. Much like Herzog's ambition with this film. <laughs> like we're we're taking a big swing here. I wouldn't I wouldn't say we're sending a boat over a mountain, but uh I like this idea and I'm excited that we're doing it, you know? And I think it's gonna be fun to kind of cover this movie from multiple angles, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, we're not battling with, uh, you know, native populations and, uh, you no. know, dealing with dysentery <laughs> and shit, but yeah, we, are, we are, uh, we are definitely on the same level as Werner Herzog. Yeah. Doing
1: yeah. This. I've got my own struggles, dude. The seltzer I'm drinking right now, it's a little, it's not quite as cold as I would want it to be. So mm-hmm. I, I would say that's about the same.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, anyway, let's do a quick board review before we jump into Fitzcarraldo. At number one, you can count on me. Number two, Akiru. Number three, today's episode and next week's episode Fitzcarraldo and Burden of Dreams. Number four, Rio Bravo. Number five, Alien 3. Number six, Anomalisa. Number seven, Amadeus. Number eight, Election. Number nine, Get Carter. Number 10, The Limey. Number 11, Coraline. Number 12, Big Night. Number 13, Night Moves. Number 14, The Karate Kid. Number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Number 16, Secrets and Lies. Number 17, Seven Days in May. Number 18, Snatch. Number 19, Strange Days. And number 20, The Terminator. Uh, oh, Terminator. Now, going back to why we have two movies in one slot here. Jared, why don't you tell us how Fitzcarraldo slash Burden of Dreams made it onto the board?
1: Well, it's funny because people, people who listened to last week's episode will will probably remember, but uh, for those who didn't, I had seen an episode of the new season of Documentary Now, and they were spoofing Werner Herzog. And I, he is a filmmaker that I've always been aware of. He's kind of a sort of mystical guy who I knew did a lot of different things and was very adventurous in terms of what he tried to cover in his films, whether it's location or subject matter or different things. He seemed pretty extreme and and, and to me. Just, again, sort of a mythic figure. And I was like, I've got to get into it. But there was something about him that seemed a little intimidating to me in terms of I wasn't really sure where to begin. You know, I knew he was one of these guys who did both documentaries and more narrative kind of structured, traditional things. And then I heard about this movie called Burden of Dreams, the documentary that you and I will be discussing next week about the making of Fitzcarraldo. And I just got excited by that. And I was like, oh, let's get get a documentary on the board. I love movies that document the making of movies. Mm -hmm. I had just recently rewatched Hearts of Darkness, the Apocalypse Now documentary, which is fantastic and kind of similar in some ways to this movie, Fitzgeraldo. And I was just like jacked up about putting a doc on the board for the first time. So when I went to do that last week, you made the good point. I think it was the right point. It's like, well, we've got to see the movie and talk about it on its own terms before we can intelligently discuss the documentary about the making of. You know, you don't go watch a documentary on Apocalypse Now if you haven't seen the film itself. And I think you were exactly right in that. So that's when we came up with this idea. Well, let's bundle them. Week one, let's talk about Fitzcarraldo on its own. We're going to do our best to leave the backstory out of this conversation, and we're just going to talk about the viewing experience of this film. Next week is when we'll really get into what we find out from the documentary and the other sort of stories and what we might've gleaned from commentaries and stuff. But I do like this idea of doing the two piece approach. Mm -hmm. And I am very interested in talking about how we feel about this movie on its own. Again, leaving the sort of, I don't want to say bullshit, but the, the grandiosity of, you know, the behind the scenes stories out of the equation for this discussion.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also think in terms of, uh, the Unas, you know it's hard to nominate a documentary for anything in the Unas outside of like best picture or best director really so yeah, that's, that's true that's true it's nice to just have this as as like something we could potentially nominate uh so that's nice but also like i think yeah like if you're gonna watch a making of on something you need to you need to have the context of of the finished product as well as the the build-up to it otherwise it's it's I feel like the 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 impact is diminished.
1: You're you were completely right. I was off my rocker thinking we should go straight to the documentary itself. You know, Drew, how much I love the Magnolia making of documentary. I mean, it's I think it's one of the best special features ever made. Mm-hmm. But that would make no sense if you hadn't seen the film. It's like, why are they talking about frogs and like fall? Like, you know what I mean? It's just so ridiculous. So we absolutely need to, needed to see the movie first. So I'm really glad you pushed for that. I think it was completely the right thing to do.
0: For sure. But uh, I'm yeah, I, I mean, it also gave me the opportunity to watch a movie that has been on my list for a long time. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that because, um, you know, I've I've been a fan of uh, of. Aguirre the Wrath of God for for a little while I watched that back in uh, in lockdown in 2020 and Mm. just was was blown away by it and hadn't gotten around to exploring more of Werner Herzog's uh, narrative films so it's it's very cool to to check this out and and knock one of those off for me so um, excellent I was I was happy with it it worked out it worked out Timing was good, even though it was a little spooky to hit the
1: back-to-back threes, which was kind of a little weird, you know? Which we
0: did skip over. Yeah, we we meant to mention, uh, yeah, this is our second number three in a row. And number three is one of the most hit numbers we we have. So to, to list out some of the ones we've covered off of number three, we've done Seven Samurai, Heaven's Gate, The Right Stuff, M, Reflections of Evil, and Fitzcarraldo. And setting aside Reflections of Evil pretty much all of those are, are phenomenal movies in my opinion and yeah, uh, bangers, yeah. especially the first or, or sorry uh, especially seven samurai Heaven's Gate and M are like three of the best movies we've covered on on the show so number three is a, a it's coming it's in hot a- yeah it's been a juicy number
1: i mean because didn't you say the right stuff was in there too mm-hmm. i mean that movie i, Which is a I really good movie. like i
0: mean we didn't we i don't think we were nearly as over the moon for that as some of the other ones but yeah
1: no but it was solid and also did you catch the little link to the right stuff at the opening of this film i don't know that i did sam Shepard gets a brief shout out in the opening credits Did he i have really? no idea why yeah was I, it I don't a special know.
0: thanks kind of thing
1: yeah, so in the opening credits, there's the running, and it's like, thanks for the origin of the idea from, and there's four names listed, and one of them is Sam Shepard. And wow. I'm, so I'm guessing it was from his screenwriting days, or who knows, who knows how they even met. And I'm assuming it's the same Sam Shepard as Big Dog Contender last year. Um, but, um, but yeah, so that's just kind of a fun little dartboard coincidence that we have this little connection within the threes.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I did not put that together, but love that.
1: 1982's Fitzcarraldo, currently available on Drew's beloved Canopy, which has seriously been an all star. We've been saying it a lot lately, but my, oh my, have they Did had all choices? Out? Nope. I have the tab open on my computer, though. So I'm halfway there. <laughs> I got to figure out where my library card is. I have one for Atlanta, but I haven't used it since like pre pandemic. So I got to figure out what's going on there. That's Fair the enough. one mini hurdle I have to deal with, but it's very manageable. And then in terms of, the payment realm, you can get it with subscription to Peacock and then pay to rent a variety of sources. On my Roku, I saw it on Tubi as well. Mm. If you're down to get infested with ads, you could go that route. Um, but, you know, there's there's ways to track it down. And, uh, yeah, should be easy to find.
0: Very accessible movie. One of the more accessible mm. ones. And certainly more so than last week's episode. We'll say that.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 but still strange. Still, still different, but not as off-putting, I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just meant physically accessible, but yes, oh, in terms yes. of like yes, 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 artistically yes. accessible, for sure. <laughs>
1: yeah, more accessible in almost every way.
0: Yes. Um, well, let's get into Fitzgerald, though. So this was technically your selection, even though I, I spurred the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I guess I I I layered your onto your yes. idea of doing Burden of Dreams. So we're counting this as a Jared choice. How did you become aware... Of burden of dreams and though, and why did you want to get them on the board?
1: So I touched on it a tiny bit, but there was a new episode in the most recent season of Documentary Now. Oh, we've already now. covered this, yeah. Yeah, but but, but 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 there is a follow up to it. Um, I ha- I saw that one of the documentaries specifically that that they were spoofing within the Documentary Now episode was specifically shouted out as burden of dreams. Mm -hmm. So I Googled that and I was like, what is this? And I saw it. And amongst the rotten tomatoes, sort of little notes and words was one from Roger Ebert saying it was one of the best movies ever made about the making of movies. Hmm. So that just flagged it in my mind. And I was like, Oh, I want to see this. So that's really got, it was documentary now that led me to this specific documentary. And, you know, I had that tension where, uh, Probably only you and I can relate to this. I really wanted to like fire it up that day, and I had to I had to slow it down and be like, no, no, no. I want to get this one on the board. I want to go through it that way. So then I started kind of nibbling around it with other Herzog stuff. I watched Grizzly Man, and I watched this movie called My Best Friend, which is mm-hmm. a documentary about the star of this movie, Fitzcarraldo, Klaus Kinski, and him and Herzog had a very famously combative, creative relationship, and a very difficult one. Um, <clears throat> so in that documentary, My Best Friend, they they cover a variety of the movies that Herzog and Kinski worked on together. So I got snippets of this Fitzcarraldo movie, but I got to be honest, I was more interested in Burden of Dreams. So when I was firing up the actual movie itself, I was almost like, all right, well let's get let's just kind of z- 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 get through this so I can get to the documentary that I'm more excited about on the other side of this. Um, so that was kind of my thought going into it, I would say. It was like, all right, Drew's right. We have to see this movie before we talk about the doc, but let's just kind of, let's get through it. It was kind of almost what I was thinking before. I don't know why I kind of thought that way, but it was. It felt a little homework-y. But, um,
0: well, that's the perfect lead-in. What was your reaction on first viewing to Crawl though?
1: trying to remember the last time I had a reaction like this one, which is like, pretty good. which is like it's it feels almost disgusting to say and to have this reaction to the movie because i can't help but be aware of how difficult it was to pull this off and do this and there are things in this movie that are some of the the craziest and most interesting shots i've like ever seen and something's happening it's just like i cannot believe this is just happening on screen right now. Mm-hmm. So it's really, there are parts that are really magnificent. And it is a, I'm leaning towards saying a great movie, but there also is a stodginess in parts of the opening 30 to 40 minutes of the movie that I think slows it down to be like a great, great all-timer for me. Mm. I'm definitely glad I saw it. It was very impressive. It was exciting. It was interesting. It was different. It was fun. And I think I liked it even a little more than I'm expressing right now. But I did want to acknowledge the fact that some of specifically the dialogue scenes between Kinski and Cardinale in the beginning of the movie and the way they were shot, these like kind of interior sort of talky scenes where they just seemed very stagy and very stiff and very kind of archaic almost in a way that was like before their time. Like it was hmm. like something I'd expect to see from like a, a movie in like the forties or the thirties, you know, the, the way they were kind of framed up and, and executed. But then as the movie progresses down the river, there are all also these incredibly inventive and very modern-seeming shots that really kind of stunned me. So it was kind of a cool juxtaposition in a way, and maybe I'm talking myself into believing that that's one of the ideas baked into the visual nature of this movie, is like the idea, the clash between the primal and the structured and civilized and things like that. So sure. I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm rambling big time here, but it's a difficult movie for me to... Pin down my opinion on within forty eight hours. You know, I watched it twice. Um, We talked in the pre chat about how this is a pretty quick turnaround for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think where I'm landing is like very good, like like a B plus. But I I want to give it more credit because it is so impressive Mm. what they do in this movie. And I know there was like a, a, a tremendous amount of toil to execute this, um, but I can't help but think there are a couple of things here and there that that stop it from being an all timer for me. And that's really right. like Truly amazing. Um, so that's my attempt to kind of sum up my feeling on it. Um, what did you think about Fitzcarraldo?
0: I think um, I think I'm somewhere a, a a hair higher than you on this, but I'm definitely not. Um, like effusive, like in love with, with it, the way that I was a gear of the wrath of God. I still would put that ahead of, of this one. I think it's a little bit clearer in terms of like, it's, it's thematic, uh, resonance with me. Like, like I think that movie is just hitting like everything that, that I wanted it to. Whereas this one, I definitely, I, I felt similar things that you, that you're talking about in terms of like the, I don't know if I would call it stodginess, but there's there's a stilted quality to their their conversations early on. And, um, you know, the dialogue, it's not it's not like hyper engaging. Um, so it's it, you know, there there are moments where I found myself uh, like having to to consciously lock back in with the movie a bit. So I'm I'm with you in terms of your complaints. I think they just bothered me maybe a little bit less because I think once they do get onto the boat and and the the journey begins, it's it's really really captivating stuff. Yes. 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 And. Um, I do think that the stuff early on is interesting visually and I think like you know what it's setting up is, is good but I, I'm, I, I think I'm with you for the most part with with those scenes so um, I definitely am not like calling this a masterpiece or anything it, it's it's flawed in some ways but I, I really really dug it and had a good time and I could totally see this becoming one of those you know that we when we're putting together our, our awards contenders, you know, at the end of this batch of 50, I could see this one starting to sneak in, kind of, like, creeping in my memory the way that, like, some of those other movies last year did for us. Um, you know, we brought up... Uh, I, I don't remember if it made it made it into the episode last week or not, but um, you at some point brought up uh, how much In the Mood for Love aged in your mind, like, how well that aged over over the course of, like you know the year after we watched that for you and i think i could see this becoming one of those for me and and it sounds like maybe for you as well
1: yeah yeah dude i think that's a i could totally see that happening for me too and i think it might have been a mistake for me to start with the negative in a way with my opinion on this movie because I should make make sure it's totally clear. I really do like this a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I started with a negative. I guess I wanted to get that shit out of the way. Yeah. Because there is some incredibly epic and intense and exciting moments in this movie. And it's such a crazy idea in terms of what even the character Fitzcarraldo comes up with. And the fact that Herzog has the vision to kind of execute this for real. And I think the whole movie and and Herzog kind of alludes to this in the commentary, but I think the whole metaphor or purpose of the movie is about dreaming big and and having a crazy goal and really going for it. And he really did. And I think this film in some ways, a celebration of dreaming big and achieving something monumental, Mm -hmm. even if the financial success that was baked into the reason for doing it doesn't come around, like achieving something like this is what is kind of, Commendable And like, it's just very, it's very exciting in a way I've never seen a movie be exciting. You know, it's not awesome. like, I don't know, like there's this boat being dragged up a hillside, you know, and it's intense. And I'm sitting there kind of like, wow, that thing is really going up and it's exciting, but it's not like, um, I don't know, it's so monolithic and big and slow, you know, and just like kind of inching when I think of something like excitement or tension in a movie, I kind of think on the complete opposite end of the spectrum in terms of energy. I don't think of something moving incredibly slow and creaking up a hillside in my mind. I wouldn't think that would be exciting. And this movie wow. gets me there fucking big time, dude. And I'm like, holy shit.
0: Everything I can't you're believe saying they are really right doing now. this everything you're saying right now is, is bringing me back to just how much we both love sorcerer, which is a mm. movie where they literally like physically can't go fast without risking death. So like it it's a movie that creeps along, but is the most exciting thing you've ever watched. <laughs> That's a
1: great point. And, That's a great and point. I think,
0: I think, you know, I was feeling some of that same stuff with this for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It, again, it's such a harebrained idea for a film. And again, we will get into the the backstory and the making of it and all that shit next week. That's not what we're here to talk about today. But right. on its face, it does sound like we both enjoyed it, and I completely agree with you. I think it will be something that grows in my mind. And as I think more about it, this, my, the quote-unquote stodginess I was speaking about early on will fade away. and I'll just think of images of that boat going up the hillside and all the time they take in showing the preparation of how they're going to do this and 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 again, the very unique way to me that the movie is exciting.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. And going back to what you were saying about the you know kind of the the basic idea behind this movie in terms of just like having a big dream and and going out and doing it. I think there's just there's so many ways to to read what's going on in this movie thematically, where you know and and, and this will be contextualized further with burden of dreams and kind of seeing how you know life imitates art in a lot of ways but you know i i think you can read this movie as in some ways herzog talking about himself and and kind of like what he's doing with his you know filmmaking style and like i I think this movie is in a lot of ways about a filmmaker even though he's not making a film it's someone who who their whole mission in life like yes there is a like a capitalist buried in him somewhere, you know, where like, like he is, he does have all these business ventures and it is about like a money making endeavor on some level, but his ultimate goal is not making money. He doesn't give a shit about the money. It's what he can do with that money that he cares about. So, so he's, you know, and, and what he wants to do with that money is to bring art to this place that, that is devoid of it, you know? Yeah. And so I just, I, I see like this, this complete, Werner Herzog analog between you Mm -hmm. know the Klaus Kinski character and and you know what's going on there so um, yeah I just I found that all really fascinating and like you know again we'll get to it in the in the documentary but I mean they literally just lifted a 350 ton boat over a mountain for this movie and they just did it (laughs) they just did it dude. and so like it's like again it's just that like you know he he is like acting out his own story just recontextualized and it's, it's really cool.
1: Yeah. I think to kind of go in line with what you're saying and again, not to jump too far ahead, but I can't help but think about the ending of this movie sure, where they do not successfully get the rubber. They do not have this huge windfall of cash and, and Kinski's character is still beaming with pride with that cigar on the boat before they sell it off and everything else. And I think that's like Herzog about this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because
0: there's no monetary gain for making this movie. Ultimately, yeah, like really, like, for him, dude, I I, I have movie, a hard time believing that this movie was a, a windfall of cash for Herzog.
1: Yeah, I do not think it was a box office smash. I mean, I've never heard of this movie really. Uh, oh, I before. mean, I'm
0: I'm very familiar with it. It's it's a very famous yeah. movie in in film okay. history. But yeah,
1: but it's just like I can't help but think of like, and again, it took him like whatever three years and everything else. I can't help but think of like, uh, it's not about the money to him. No, it's not about the money to Kinski's character when he is having his moment of glory with his cigar at the end of the movie. It's about the fact that it was achieved. Mm -hmm. They did this thing together and they pulled it off. And he was the one who kind of rallied troops and spearheaded the whole thing. So I I completely agree with you. I think it's like literally a metaphor for how Herzog feels about this achievement in his own life. Just like, I don't care if this thing doesn't make money. We fucking did it. We made this thing we dragged this boat over the mountain for real and we fucking made a movie about it. Like that's so cool.
0: Yeah. It's uh it it is really cool. And you know, it's all like, it's all interwoven throughout this thing. Like the opening of the movie is this, you know, squirrely guy paddling fast and like trying to get to an opera house to see an opera and like him just kind of like sneaking in and he's like, you know, so he's like, part of this high society but he's like on the fringes you know and and it's just like i I don't know i just i find the character really fascinating to to just like turn over in my brain of like what are his motivations what is he actually like trying to achieve and um i you know i think there's a reason this movie resonates so deeply with like film obsessives because again i think it is about filmmaking Mm -hmm.
1: yeah it's about uh Yeah, coming up with a crazy idea and going for it, which Mm -hmm. is among other things, but that's definitely an ingredient in like filmmakers and stuff. So that
0: makes complete sense to me. Why don't we talk a little bit about Klaus Kinski since we're talking about this character? So how did you feel about the performance? Have you seen any other Kinski performances before? What is your background?
1: So unlike you, I have not seen Aguirre. It was covered in that documentary about Kinski that I mentioned that Herzog directed, my best friend, but I haven't seen the film itself. So this was really the only in isolation Kinski performance I have seen so far in terms of, it's not a documentary. It's literally just what's on screen and and how do I feel about it? And as it got started, I found myself thinking it was a bit like much, you know, I was like, Oh, this guy just like every scene goes really big with his, like every scene is like Shakespeare you know it's just huge and like he's 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 getting everything to the back seats of in in the in the playhouse or whatever mm-hmm. but as it was going on i found myself getting more and more infatuated with it and i was like wait is this working like it's so it's so flies in the face of normal like what i normally am drawn to in performances which tends to be with there's exceptions everywhere you look but i in my natural state, I tend to be more drawn to subtlety and small smallness and, you know, things like that, like little details. This guy, it goes so big with his expressions and his reactions, but it works for me. And I, it, it strikes me as genuine. So I was so, um, pleasantly surprised because the first 10 minutes, I also should say, I watched this movie with Jeff. Hmm. So Jeff, Jeff, what did Jeff think about it? I think he liked it probably a, About the same as much as I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but you know, that adds a little bit of pressure too. Whenever you're watching a movie with a friend or whatever, you just kind of like, hope they're enjoying this (laughs) because, you know, it's two, it's almost three hours. Uh, But I think he liked it. I think he liked it. Um, But to just circle back to Kinski, yeah, I was, I really, really liked it. And I also got obsessed uh, more and more as the movie went on with how he looks, his eyes, his, the crazy color of his hair. His ears look kind of weird. His He's got
0: teeth. those wild eyes where you're like, "Whoa!" There's some. Yeah. There's some craziness going on behind there.
1: Yeah, and the, but there's also a fearlessness to them. Mm-hmm. They're so open, and they seem so like they seem to be like letting people in. But I don't know. Also, defa- I don't know. There's just very. They're they're huge. <laughs> they are kind of crazy, like you're saying. And he has these strangely immaculate teeth like chiseled you know so when he smiles it's just like the cleanest line you've ever seen across his mouth in terms of his his he is so German dude he is like you know yeah he is incredibly German it's crazy Um, but again I I really I think I loved it I normally Mm -hmm. don't like performances going this big but this one really fucking worked for me and I think it's pretty fucking special honestly what did you think of this
0: Yeah. I I mean, you know, I'm not super well versed in Kinski. I mean, I've been fascinated with his performance in Aguirre ever since I saw it. It's, uh, you know, you want to talk about like wild eyes and just like the, you know, we talk about we use the word wrong but fachas you know like he's got a face man yes he does all these nooks and crannies and then the like you said the wild eyes it's just like you you can't take your eyes off of him whenever he's on screen Mm -hmm. and I think the wildness comes through a little bit stronger in Aguirre and that's maybe I I um so I immediately gravitated towards that, but I actually think this might be a better performance overall. Um, Because, you know, Aguirre is this character who is like so gung ho about like, you know, that he's on this like, you know, kind of mission from God kind of thing. Like he's, he's, uh, you know, he's possessed, he's a man possessed and he's vicious, you know, as a result, this character is, is, so much more likable and so much more um uh pitiable and and uh, sympathetic like you you're rooting for him and I, and I didn't expect that out of Kinski like I I know the wild side like I've I've heard all the stories of the insanity and like um I think I don't remember if it made it to air but I I probably I, I told you at some point the story of during the filming of Aguirre that uh, uh Kinski literally was like firing a gun into a tent and shit like he's he's just like he's insane he's he's off his fucking rocker and (laughs) this movie uh doesn't i mean i can see that still within him but he's like again like it's this character who's just all about just like making money so that he can bring art to people which i think is just Mm -hmm. like a, a really fascinating character and some, someone that immediately, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I just gravitate towards.
1: Yeah, you can, you can relate to that dream of being, again, the money, he's planning on using the money for a positive impact in the world and in the, and his new surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can appreciate that and we can like that. I think we've kind of mentioned it, but just to kind of refine it, we'll be getting more into the details next week. But Kinski is... Legendarily difficult to work with. Mm. He he did something in his life, I think he passed away in the early 90s, but he did something like 200 film roles. And Werner Herzog was the only person who worked with him multiple times. Yes. Everyone else would do it like once and be like, fuck this guy. You know, he is just incredibly uh, short, fused, aggressive, difficult, rants, uh, very emotional, hair trigger shotgun type of personality. (laughs) And people can't deal with it. And I don't, based on the stories we've heard that we'll mine through next week, I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Herzog was a little concerned about how Kinski was going to handle this shoot with its duration and being so isolated and removed. Um, and that's, again, more more kind of next week conversation. But just to say, I think he corralled his energy meaning Herzog corralled Kinski's energy very well in this because even though I haven't seen Aguirre, like, I do understand, I've seen s- scenes and snippets, and that that character seems to um, go into sort of a descent into madness, which I think is more open to Kinski's ability to go there and yep. go further in terms of into the darkness. Um, this movie, and I think it kind of points to, towards what you were saying earlier, he has, he has this sort of rootable character where we're kind of cheering for him and we want him to succeed. And for that to be effective, he needs to not go that dark and he needs to retain the sort of kind of boyish naive exuberance, Mm -hmm. which he carries through this performance, um, you know, from stem to stern, I think, or whatever the expression would be. So, um, yeah, I just think, um, it's just cool, man. It's just, it's just, I don't know where I was going with that. No, but I just, like it. It
0: is a really, really just great performance, top to bottom. And kind of going back to what you were saying about um, just how different this character is than who Kinski is and the, the fears that Herzog had around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to spoil this for next week, which is that this movie was about 40% shot and then they had to go back and start over because mm-hmm. of uh, you know issues with- Do
1: we want to say who the other actor was? So you know, was? okay, all right. If I know, you, I, I, I didn't know, didn't want to spoil it
0: for you in case you didn't know, but- I don't we, know if we I, should we can, tell the audience. We can tell the see. audience, because this all is, right, this is readily it, available information. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, the original star of this movie was someone who fits this mold so much better in terms of like <laughs> a basic, you know, just like who that person is, but it was Jason Robards, the big dog himself-
1: my big dog from from um the last batch of Yunas and the been, original last batch big of 50 dog. and i yeah he, and he was regardless of future big dogs which will continue to morph he was our both of ours original mm-hmm. and i would be lying if i if i said that that wasn't in my calculus when i saw he was in burden of dreams mm. i was like oh we get to see jason robarts again but kind of behind the scenes stuff i got to see that Man. um But yeah, more, more germane to what we're talking about this week uh, would be a totally different film with him. Yeah,
0: but you can see him slipping into this role so easily. Like when once you have that, Mm -hmm. like I I, like maybe not the stuff towards the end, because when when things do get more chaotic and crazy, you know, and Kinski's is allowed to go there with it. I think those scenes are interesting to try and imagine with Robard's energy because he is so much more reserved and and mm-hmm. very like um uh just I don't know. I mean he's yeah. not, he's not an insane person. <laughs> like no. he's someone he's- who seems very, very with it and and but emotional and and you know, able to access those parts of it. So like the early parts of the movie, I see Robard's like you know, crushing those bits. But Mm -hmm. then you try to imagine like what that looks like in the back end of the movie. And it's a completely different movie in my opinion. So I'm, I'm, I, I can't wait to watch burden of dreams to see some of these scenes played out with Robards, you know? Yeah. I hope that there are extended clips of it.
1: Well, you know what, what comes to my mind is, do you remember in the earlier parts of this film when Kinski gets kind of embarrassed at the poker table and everyone's kind of, that, that guy smoking the cigars kind of laughing him out off the table for one reason or another. It's like, that's the type of scene where I could see Robards just beaming in. Where this sort of like kind of sitting in the embarrassment, but kind of fuck you eyes kind of simmering a little bit. And be like, I'm going to prove all you assholes wrong sort of mm-hmm. thing. Like that is just a meal for Jason Robards. Like he's so good at that sort of stuff and playing the sort of underdog. I mean, that's really the ballad of Cable Hogue, which we covered in the last batch is a huge underdog story. We can see mm-hmm. how, how Robards is so good at, at, at sort of playing the wily downtrodden person. Absolutely. Um, once Upon a Time in the West is is in that vein as well, although the character has more success in their life than Cable Hogue does in the beginning of that film. You get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I can see what they were aiming for. I, I like you, am so excited about seeing if there are scenes from what Robards is doing because I bet he would crush it. Um, it just They just would have been so different. And the way Kinski, like, at that poker table, is, like, hyperventilating almost from the ridicule is just, like, again it's so dialed up and it's so much, but to me somehow it's working. It's Mm -hmm. like, it shouldn't work. This guy should not be on the, the verge of a panic attack or like, you know, something like big like this, but I buy it.
0: Yeah. And you know, as I'm thinking about it, trying to put Robards in the position of this dreamer who is going to go achieve this like unachievable thing. I, I struggle a little bit with replacing Kinski with him in that respect because the insanity of the idea, you look at Klaus Kinski and you're like, "Oh yeah, of course this guy thinks this is a feasible thing. Of course he wants to try this. Like the man's fucking nuts." Yeah. Whereas Robards, I I don't know, you might you might struggle to to bridge that gap with him where it's like he's maybe mm-hmm. too practical for this. Why why is he doing this, you know? Yeah.
1: I think that's a great point, too, dude. And adding to that, I just can't really buy him as an opera obsessive, Jason Robards. Like, maybe it's just because his voice is so like cool and like Americana. Hmm. Like, I just don't really. You're right. Like, he he looks too sane to come up with this idea, and he looks too (laughs) kind of American to be a super duper opera fan who wants to spread the gospel of opera. In South America like I, I don't know I'm having that I'm maybe the documentary will change my mind but I'm having a hard time seeing that
0: I still would love to see the the movie with him Um, man how great would it be if we had two versions of this movie and we could see both of those performances in full oh man
1: we've talked about it in the show in fantasy world with other things where we're like oh I, th- I am curious about the alternate universe of that but you know he got the good one or whatever we're gonna get a chance to see bits and pieces of the other universe next week, which will be fun
0: yeah well there's another there's another actor in the uh original filming of this that I won't spoil for the audience, uh, yeah but rest assured you will not see it coming
1: yeah if if
0: you don't know already, you're gonna be shocked
1: yeah you're gonna the, I think the reaction will be something like what yeah, <laughs> something
0: like that, yeah yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway i yeah kinski is is just such a fascinating actor uh, like i said you just can't take your eyes off him and and um this performance is is incredible in my opinion i think i think it's like you know it's it's not a non-traditional performance in some ways like it's not what i would normally think of as like something that i would be super into but i i genuinely think it's one of the best performances we've covered i did want to highlight my favorite part of the performance is just when he lets loose when the um, when the boat gets gets also let loose down the river mm-hmm. and yes. and he's like freaking out and running around the boat as it's like crashing into walls and stuff. I was like, "Fuck yes, this is awesome!"
1: Yeah, it was like <laughs> that's a great performance moment. They're they're in some danger when that happens. And oh yeah, yeah, that's more that's more next week stuff. But the fact that he delivers that so well. And whoever knows how many takes, it's so it's such an exciting moment, and his reaction to it is so perfect. And that's the type of moment I think, with his capability to go so big,
0: mm-hmm.
1: fits perfectly in these sort of life or death situations. It really reads as realistic, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, one other thing I wanted to say about Kinsky before we move on from him is sure. that, and again, this might be slightly next weekish, but I can't help myself. Um, in the documentary about their relationship, My Best Friend, Herzog mentions the first time he saw Kinski on screen and he was like a kid. And it was some black and white movie where he plays like a kind of brutal SS officer or something like that. And he was obsessed with the way in the beginning of the scene, Kinski's in his officer's uniform and he's asleep on the table, mm-hmm. like on his, hand, on his arms, like you would be in school. And he gets woken up and he looks so, like, gen- genuinely startled awake that Herzog said that's the moment he became obsessed with him. And, like, in the documentary, they loop and play back him waking up, like, three or four times. Hmm. And he's like, i just never seen someone, like, commit so strongly to such a small detail of the scene. Which mm-hmm. is like, oh, it starts with you waking up, and then you've got your dialogue that you have to say. But he, just pl- he played waking up so real that, like, Herzog was like, who, who who is this? What? And like, that's when the, that's when the, the waltz began. (laughs) I have a question, Drew. Um, This might not be a fun question. We can, we can trim it or whatever, but um, do you wish that it was less known that the boat gets dragged up the hill in the movie? Because uh, I kind of wish I was in Jeff's shoes a little bit, because I don't think he knew this. Mm. And as the, Like as the movie in the first two-thirds of it, I would say, builds towards this, like, what is this guy's plan? Like, it's playing in this sort of mystery where we've seen clues as to what his thinking is, but the movie has really not revealed his thoughts until they get to that spot in the river. Do you think you and I were robbed a little bit? Because I'll just say I certainly was aware of the of where this was going. So it was not a big surprise when he revealed his plan to the crew. Um, I'm assuming that was the same case for you. And do you wish that surprise was there?
0: Um, you know, this is in some ways a perfect illustration of the differences in our opinions towards spoilers and and knowing things about movies, because to me that, that did not bother me at all. Um, and if anything, I kind of liked that I knew it was building to that because it let me watch the pieces kind of be put into place a little bit more. You know, kind of a
1: surprising turn as we're like starting. And I'm just thinking this now; I didn't come with this in the chamber. But I think I'm. I think I prefer that I knew because it made me a little more patient. the mo- The movie is very. Um, It's actually very patient as well. It unfolds its information kind of very slowly, and it's a simmer. And I think it helped that I knew where this, at least the primary part of this was going. I knew what the big hurdle, quite literally, was going to be. So it, it kind of allowed me to just like, just chill. We're just working our way deeper into the jungle and deeper into... The depths of things, but but I knew where it was heading. So it almost might have been a strength. But part of me would have liked to have toyed with that confusion that the the movie kind of builds into that first two acts or so. Um, But yeah, I guess it's just a, I don't even know if it's a quibble. It's just like,
0: well, it's like, I I mean, to go back to a couple episodes before this, uh, the Tatan episode, you know, I knew going into that that she has sex with a car. Right. And, So I was waiting for that to happen um, from the beginning, but was was shocked to find it happened so early in the movie. And then this was kind of like the opposite of that. I I kind of anticipated the the boat hauling to be a a larger portion of the movie than it is. Um, I mean, it's don't get me wrong. It's like most of the last hour, but I didn't expect it to take, you know, 90 minutes to get to that part. Um, so I think, I think in that way, it, it just changed my appreciation rather than took away from it in any way. Um, it just, I just had a different experience than that. Um, yeah. and I, and I don't think it's any better or worse for it. I think it's just different.
1: It's different. I think that's uh, perfectly said.
0: Let's talk about just that, that hauling scene on its own though. Sure. Just cause like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's fucking crazy that they did this and Herzog, I think said that he wanted to do it for real because he didn't believe that the audience would buy the 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 weight and the, you know, just the immensity of, of the task unless it was an actual boat that way. As opposed to just like, you know, some like whatever, like polystyrene or plastic boat. Um, or he, a miniature yeah. or like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he does use miniature work in the river scene uh, quite a bit. Uh, which is interesting, but he, I I think, I think he's right in a lot of ways because yeah, the, the, you feel how heavy and how just, just the, like all the bits of like, you know, the, the logs breaking underneath this thing and like the, you know, the, the, You know, the way that it's like sliding through this muck and like the, you know, just all of that stuff is is so visceral, I think, as a result of that. I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: Well, it's so in line with you and I's position in terms of or at least our default position where we pine for these days. These days, where they faked it for real, as we say sometimes on this show, and it's just like, it's not CGI, it's not a miniature, and yet it's it's why I love
0: Tom Cruise, like just doing it for real.
1: It's why we both love Top Gun: Maverick so much, and I'm sure there's another example and that we've done on the show. But you know, we just love practical effects, and part of it is the scarcity issue. You know, uh, a lot of movies in modern times don't use them as much because it's more cost effective. To use uh, digital effects. Yeah, this, this boat real, would be
0: CG if it was made today.
1: Oh my god. Yeah, it would have been it would have been on a back lot at Fox Ugh. and it would be a CG boat. It'd be and starring the, movie the rock would have, in
0: a, in a cutoff t- white t-shirt.
1: Yeah, <laughs> as an opera lover, you know, I think Jason Robards is a stretch for that. We'll see The Rock doing it. Um <laughs> But like um like it's just um it's such an ambitious idea to do it for real, and I can't believe they got it done and I'm so happy that they did because again to go back like CGI and things like that have come so far and it's, it's a great tool to have and it's, it's, it's awesome what they can do with it but the problem is the fact that it is priced out from a competition standpoint practical shit that now we just get inundated with CGI and we just get numb to it and it's just so cool to see something like this, this gargantuan crazy task on screen for real, not with a miniature where they're pulling a a multi hundred ton boat up a hillside and they're just fucking doing it. And there is an excitement that's part of it because it's real. And I also must say, I love that the movie, I'm not intending this as a pun, but lays the track for how they're going to do this. That has been a soft spot for me recently in the past couple of years or maybe a decade or so where <laughs> I love when movies like take the time to show me how, what they're doing and yeah. how they're accomplishing things. Go to examples of this would be something like no country for old men where the movie just very visually, like especially when Javier Bardem and Josh Brolin are kind of jousting in those first couple of interactions. They just very, visually show you what each person is thinking and how they're going about this situation. Sorcerer is another example of a movie that just visually shows you these are the steps they need to take to achieve this. I would even say Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is kind of in that category of like, Hmm. it shows you what's happening. And this movie just says like, again, just lays everything else. Like, well, they have to build these pylons. They have to reduce the grade, the steepness of the hill. They have to get these cables. It shows you the setbacks. It shows you all of the labor that goes into just human labor, that goes into dropping these posts in, and it takes the time to really help me as someone who does not have an engineering mind, and I don't have an idea of how, where I would even begin with this task, Yeah, it, sh- it, it it lays it out for me that this is how you would do this, and I just love that it shows me just really cool, and it helps me appreciate the magnitude of what they're trying to do here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think of it in a similar light as... Um I, I'm very much into movies that are like process movies that show you like how things happen and, and how they work. Right. Mm-hmm. The best example I can think of are journalism movies like spotlight or one that we've covered on the show, all the president's men where you watch these journalists, you know, go through trial and error to try and like get to the bottom of the, the story that they're breaking. And I, watching people who are good at their jobs kind of figure figure things out and, and go through the process of of achieving something is always fascinating to me. And this is very much in line with that, where like you're saying, you you watch every step of this process of how do we get this fucking giant boat over this hill. Yeah. Um and, and it's just it is so cool to watch. Um mm. and yeah, I'm I'm right there with you.
1: Yeah. It's so, so fucking sick. And let's just Take a moment to discuss how insane the image is. When the boat starts moving and we have these faraway views of this thing actually moving up the hill and this crazy scheme actually working, it's just so bizarre. Like, are you, I kind of like, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. This is mm-hmm. a massive steamboat pulling itself amongst human power assisting it too up the side of this hillside. Mm-hmm. And the, br- the brain. Kind of short circuits a little bit. It, I couldn't really understand what I was seeing. I was like, "This is just so crazy." And then it gets in close and cuts and shows the amount of tension that's on the cables. And they have that guy, the captain, dumping buckets of water on the on one of the pulleys because, like, they literally had to try to keep the heat down to stop everything from breaking. So we kind of cut in and we get close and be like, "Oh my god, they're right by these cables, filming this movie." One of these cables could snap at any moment and like lop somebody's head off or just oh, take yeah. somebody out. And like during the making of, yeah,
0: like, yeah, like yeah, for exactly real. during the
1: reality of what they're doing. Yeah, and then um, and then it cuts back away and you see the insanity of what's happening from again from a, a thousand high up view or whatever, and it's just like oh my god, that's a boat going up the side of a fucking mountain, it's just so it's it's way more. It's way more impactful and way more interesting than I thought it would be. Yeah. Like, say, okay, yeah, I get it. Herzog had this crazy idea. They went into the jungle and made this movie about pulling a boat up a hill. And then you actually see it. And it's like, this is fucking sick that Mm -hmm. they're actually doing this. And he spent three years of his life building towards this moment and pulling this off.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it is undeniably special in my opinion and very very cool
0: well another uh, another boat movie that this is making me think about as we're talking about it is titanic and in that movie you know they constructed a giant fucking set that you know rose up you know the back end of the boat and there are shots in you know the the sinking of the ship scene where you know, the camera is staying wide and you're watching all these extras, you know, like running up this this, you know, side of this boat and, you know, trying to, to get to the top of it so that they can hold on. And, you know, it's it's obviously it's not the actual boat sinking, mm-hmm. so it's not quite the same thing, <laughs> but it's a practical thing. And you watch it and you're just like, whoa, this is huge. This is so like I can't believe that they're like just doing this. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it's really cool to see. And, and, uh, yeah, the, the scale of it is just mind blowing. Um, I, I keep thinking about this one shot and I got to believe that the shot was an accident, but there's a shot of, it's like a static shot on the, the deck of the boat. Um, and it's during the first attempt when, when they fail and there's a, a shot, a static shot of, of the deck. Where one of the wood planks in the floor snaps just from mm-hmm. the sheer just the tension being placed in the, the middle of the boat. Oh, not even, yeah. yeah, not even like the front <laughs> where it's being pulled from or something. It's just like the the it 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 immediately communicates the force of like what they are working with there. And mm-hmm. the the absolute just violent reaction that this piece of wood has when it snaps is so visceral and it, it just like Again, it's not like a visually engaging shot. Like it's not like um like oh, I think in and out. Yeah, and I wanna say that it was probably just like meant to be like this just B-roll shot, you know, that he could cut in uh like you know, the shot of the deck as the boat is moving, but then they just accidentally captured part of the boat just, you know, breaking yeah. under the tension and like You know, because it's not like he doesn't frame that spot of the wood like it's a special effect or something like like he he would have framed it differently if it was intentional. (laughs)
1: Dude, if I could ask him any question, it might be as you brought it up. It might be about this shot Mm -hmm. because it's like you 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 raise a great point here. It's like, how would they know where the wood would break beforehand? Like it breaks in a
0: weird spot of the frame.
1: Yeah. And it's like it's just how could they maybe maybe wood was breaking and they're like oh well, let's set up a couple cameras in different spots and hope we catch it who knows maybe they from underneath tried to weaken that piece a little bit so that it would snap maybe I just it's
0: i don't know but it is it doesn't look like it was weakened it looks like it's like breaking it like a f- full force
1: full blown snap of the beam and it's just like um it it conveys so much information it just in that one it's an insert shot but it does so much for the intensity of the scene. And I don't know how they got it. I don't know how they got that shot as we're kind of in this category. Do you want to kind of list off some favorite shots?
0: Yeah. I mean, I have, I have one major one, which is um, there it's towards the end of the hauling scene where they're finally getting to the top of the mountain Mm -hmm. and he sets the camera on top Uh, kind of looking out from the top of the hill out over the, you know, the wilderness. And then this boat just like coming (laughs) into frame, you know, cresting this hill.
1: And again, it's like, this is so crazy. We're seeing this massive boat in the middle of this jungle. And yeah, I love that angle too. Like you're saying, just it's on like kind of the top of the plateau Mm -hmm. where it's cresting. And And they do such a good job of getting in there after that great, great shot. I'm thinking when the boat crests over the lip, and gets on flat land. I'm like, how is it going to retain its shape? There's going to be so much pressure from the weight as it kind of crests over that hill. And, and they, they get in there. We hear the creaking and the groaning and how much all this stuff that's going on. It's just great. But yeah, that is a dope shot. Even before, um, they arrive to that place where they're going to jump the boat. There's that shot of, remember when, the Kind of the more kind of what we would say tribal people, I'm not sure what what they well, we're, they're,
0: we're using they're here. you know a native tribe in in yeah. the Amazon, yeah.
1: and there there's the drums playing and stuff. and Kinsky, you know, we haven't met them yet. so there's this kind of eeriness of what are they getting into here. And we've heard all these head hunting stories and everything else. And Kinsky gets on the top of the boat and starts playing the mm-hmm. opera. Mm-hmm. and it's just shot from behind Kinsky. And the, the 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 jungle is kind of all around him, and the the way the boat is drifting, and the jungle is moving, and the opera is playing, I know exactly and the drums. What you're talking about. I was just like, "Oh my god!" Mm-hmm. Like there are there are like maybe ten of those types of shots in this movie where I was just like, "Jesus!" Like this is incredible. I mean, I was kind of bitching about the first twenty minutes having some stagey stuff and then it just completely blew me away with a lot of the stuff they were doing deeper into the film where i was just like this is just incredible and that was definitely one of them for me that that kind of like you know operatic versus the drums sort of situation
0: the other one that comes to mind for me is uh right after they get to the the little what do you call that is that an isthmus no that's not that's not an isthmus what, what is that my
1: like? my gut was gonna say isthmus but i think you're right that that's not
0: right but i don't know, I know I want to say let's call it
1: an isthmus let's go whatever I don't (laughs) know it's something like that but it's
0: it's like you know they get to the spot where they're gonna pull the boat over and when they're scouting it out you know they build this Mm. like this treetop you know canopy uh overlook Mm -hmm. and there's a shot of all of the you know of Kinski and the chef and and the the tribal leader all standing up there kind of overseeing you know this this area and it's a a, a helicopter shot that just Mm -hmm. like pulls away and you just like you see just you know the the ocean of of jungle that they're surrounded by and like the you know just the 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 completely untouched nature that they're about to try and like tackle and it and it's it's so cool and not to mention the fact that like I'm terrified for those people on what looks like a really fucking rickety platform and I don't know how they got up there there's clearly no wires like holding you know any of this like it 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 could all go wrong and Kinski could be dead you
1: know that could sketch me the fuck out dude and then they do a shot in the
0: canopy like they bring (laughs) a camera up there and they they're just like hanging out up there and I'm like who did this did did Herzog just like like schlepped this thing up the hill himself (laughs) like what what is going on that's the craziest fucking thing man and i hope they i hope they cover that
1: in next week's movie but they um they he he made a comment in the commentary where he was like oh yeah that was a little hairy working up there he was about 120 feet off the ground but we built this thing it's just like that platform is tiny I don't even think it could comfortably fit those three or four actors let alone a camera operator swinging around and capturing all this shit. So I'm I'm really really glad you brought that shot up because I didn't forget it, but I didn't think to mention it in this section. And that is so they they work so well together. We have that swooping helicopter one that kind of like you're saying really shows you the desolate nature of where they are not even desolate it's so like it's fully vibrant but just how far removed from modern day living they are remote i think is kind of the word remote, you're looking for yeah remote but then it gets in there on the platform and really even more clearly explains the situation of the two rivers and like you know this and that um so so yeah it was just a fucking great shot dude great shot it really
0: is um any others you wanted to highlight
1: Yeah, another one that comes to mind is it's probably midway through the movie, maybe a little closer to the front. And it's just this one of those kind of steamboat B-roll shots of the boat just kind of chugging down the river and there's a strike of lightning behind it. And then the camera pans around along the side of the boat and starts shifting up to cover the bow that's kind of chugging ahead, and it's like chugging into a sunset. And I was just like, oh, my God, dude. Lightning strike, pan on a boat into like sunset lighting was just a gorgeous, gorgeous shot. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, again, these are kind of all over this movie. It's just some really cool, breathtaking shit. Even before we get to the exciting stuff.
0: Well, I think... We've we've covered quite a bit of of Fitzcarraldo here, and we're going to get back into it in uh, even greater detail with more context around how it was made next week. So let's let's close this out here and uh, and we'll pick it back up next week. This is going to be a weird week in that because we're doing another episode on uh, the same number next week, we're not going to be throwing the dart right now. We're not going to be putting something new up just yet. It's gonna be my week next week to put something up, so I've, I'm I'm excited to stew on this and and see what else we can put in here. And actually, I was talking to Steven Steinbacher, the uh, a former guest and and the person who subjected us to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh, what's it called? I'm blanking. Reflections on name. of evil. Who yeah. subjected us to reflections of evil last week? But I was talking to him, and he asked what we were covering this week, and I mentioned the the documentary, you know, uh, main feature. Uh, Split that we're doing. And he was like, oh, man, you could make like a series out of that. And he started listing a couple off. And I was like, yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. So it's something to think about.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like movie and doc about the making of that would be pretty sweet. Yeah, um, yeah. And one thing too, um, like it's kind of cool that we we get a we get a second crack next week at Fitzcarraldo. Like a lot of times we we watch these movies once or twice, we talk about it, and then a week later, I'm like, oh, my opinion changed on this, or I did I forgot to mention this. Like we get a little more time to sit with this again, mm-hmm. so maybe our opinions will change even in this short amount of time. So, but I'm super excited to continue this conversation next week about Fitzcarraldo and really start incorporating some of the burden of dreams stuff and getting a more full picture of, of, of what we're kind of wrestling here with.
0: That'll do it this week for our episode on Fitzcarraldo. Next week will be Burden of Dreams. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please remember to rate, review, and give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. If you want to keep in touch or give us a recommendation, drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at dartboardmovienight. Artwork for the show was created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric. Sorry, Mark. Light
1: up.